0: the iq podcast discussion about cybersecurity, business intelligence consulting and devops for the domain industry by the domain industry hey everyone i'm pinky brand with iq and welcome to another edition of the iq video interviews and podcast and today i am so pleased to have a really good friend and longtime colleague in the industry, Mr. Kevin Kopus, as our guest. Welcome, Kevin.
1: How's it going? Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, it's going great. Um, and just for everybody at the uh, in the audience, Kevin is the chief operating officer, uh, COO, and co-founder of ShortDot. Uh, Kevin, I think the last time, or actually the first time I ever met you, you kind of rolled in on your Harley, I think, into a dusty parking lot at the um, Salt Lick in, in Driftwood, wasn't it? It was like twenty in 2014, was it or yep, something?
1: Yeah, you guys were on a road trip. Um, I believe you started in Austin, and you were on a road trip to, that was ICANN LA. And you started here, and you had a wrapped van and everything, and, and yeah, that was, that was the first time. Wow, that was a long time ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, we had some good barbecue, some good times then. And I, I remember you had just kind of, you had just gotten into the industry at least for a year. So maybe you could kind of tell the audience a little bit about uh, you know how you got involved in the domain industry.
1: So if that was 2014, I actually uh, got into the domain industry in 20, uh, 2010, 2011, like right when I graduated um, from the University of Florida. Um, but that was right after, that was right when I started at Radix, I believe so. Um, yeah basically to, to cut it all really short um i graduated from the university of florida in 2010 and i went to the career resource center and just started looking at random jobs and i had owned domains in the past and things like that but i didn't really understand that there was this whole industry about around these things of buying and selling and registries and registrars just like everyone else new to the industry like you know that's i think a lot of our job is education first and then see you know how you what's going to happen um but so i went to the yeah. career, career resource center and I found this company called Moniker down in Fort Lauderdale that had a job opening for a domain sales specialist. I think that was the first title there. And I applied, and um, Lisa Box was actually one of the first people that interviewed me there. And the previous year, they had hired someone else from the University of Florida who basically had a similar uh, degree as mine, and, and was he's a really cool guy. And they said, well, we really like him. Let's go find another one of him. So they You know, after a series of interviews, uh, Lisa Box was one of, like I said, one of the first ones that interviewed me there. Uh, You know, I got hired. I moved to Fort Lauderdale. And then from there, um, I was a domain. Domain broker for about four years. I went through a couple acquisitions through the Oversee, the Key Systems, and then the Web.com acquisition. Um, when I was there, I sold probably about $30 million in, in domain brokerage over my time there. Um, I was in charge of the Oversee owned and operated portfolio as well as um, uh, inbound and outbound brokering of names. Um, my highest sale ever was kk.com. I sold for two point four million dollars, which I always like saying that because that's first of all how I bought my Harley back then, and second of all it's my initials. So that was a really cool sale to uh, to be able to get yeah. a broker on. So. Um, From there, I moved over to uh, Radix. Uh, I was the channel manager for North and South America for Radix, um, handling a lot of their stuff for their extensions as they were launching. Um, I think I was at Radix for two, two and a half years. Um, And then I did PIR. Uh, I was at PIR for, again, about two, two and a half years. Uh, Channel manager for Asia. And that's when I think you and I really got to know each other more because we were both going to China, you know, more than most people could imagine. (laughs) Um, And then. Lars and I uh, met through our mutual friend, Michael. Um, He's one of our business partners as well. About four years ago, I will have been at uh, ShortDot for four years in October. So about four years ago is when Lars and I and our other partners partnered up and, um, you know, we acquired or acquired our first extension. And it's been a crazy road trip since then, but it's been a lot of fun. I love this industry. I don't think I could ever leave the domain industry. That's what that's my other thing I always tell everyone. Like it's so diverse. Obviously the current world situation has changed that a little bit, but it's such a diverse, fun industry to be in. You meet like it's it's my domain family. Like you and I live close so it's easy for us to go hang out, but there's so many people at ICANN events right. and everything that you go hang out with and it's like it's like a big family.
0: It's really interesting, you know, to see how things have evolved over the years and with short dot and with the domain extensions um, that you all have, can you maybe explain a little bit about uh, how you came about some of those extensions? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, and, which uh, ones they are, just maybe to refresh the audience, you know.
1: Yeah, for- yeah. So we have uh, we have five extensions right now. We have .dot ICU, we have .dot Bond, we have CU, mm-hmm. we have .dot CFD, and we have SBS. Um, as okay. and as you know, and I'm sure a lot of people watching are somewhat familiar with the domain industry. I can't opened back in, I believe it was 2012, 2013. That initial application period, um, we were not obviously in existence at that time. So what we specialize in now is finding or or you know reaching out to people that own some of those extensions that they did apply for way back then, and they haven't done anything with it. So we acquired, uh, we first acquired .ICU from the .1 registry, which is also 1.com. They're a very large uh, hosting company and registry in, based in Europe. Um, we bought .ICU yeah. from them because they were focusing all of their time and money on marketing and selling .i- uh, .1 instead of .ICU. So we said, hey, this seems like a great opportunity. Um, we're pretty creative marketers. Um, we've gotten a lot more creative since then, as far as like our execution and everything goes, but we were doing, you know, we we're. we're again, very creative overall. So we just take it, rebrand it, uh, make it a fun little thing of some kind, see what the letters can stand for. Um, one one really awesome story, I'm looking at my logos right here in front of me on some papers that I have. And one one awesome thing is CFD. It means it has a negative connotation in the financial world. However, we were in a meeting mm-hmm. and our, our head of marketing, Ishan, came up and, and said, well, what if what if it's the clothing and fashion design domain? And it was like, it clicked with everyone instantly that that was like a really yeah. cool way, creative new thing to brand. CFD. So then we went to our design team and said, Hey, make us a logo that's, Sleek and sexy, and and like you see that on like a Paris uh, fashion, you know, runway type event, and it was it was just a really cool click. So that's one of the things that we really enjoy doing. And there's a ton of extensions out there that, you know, just aren't being used or whatever. So we're always like looking and we're exploring that. But that's something that we have a lot of fun doing is taking an extension that just hasn't been hasn't been used or hasn't been launched properly, and and like relaunching it and saying hey world what do you want to do with this and it's also the the flip side of that is also really cool to see how people use your extension in ways that you weren't even expecting cfd now uh-huh. is also becoming known in the crypto market because we can now now use um the ethereum name service ens you can send money to and from any domain so we're like really pushing that with cfd and with bond which are more financial um focused Extensions, I guess, but CFD was not like that's not was not our initial launch plan. But it's really cool to see how people use that.
0: But I think you know what you were talking about, like taking some of these extensions that aren't being used, is an interesting concept because I have noticed that uh, there are some brand TLDs out there that are not being used, or they're going back to ICANN and saying, you know, here we don't want this anymore, take it back, um, or, or turn yep. it off, or uh, we just want to you know cancel our. um, And I think a lot of people um, that's coming
1: from, like, at the beginning when that 2012 round happened, a lot of people didn't really realize what the upkeep, so to speak, of a domain extension was. Um, For example, we bought .bond from Bond University in Australia, and their initial plan was to use it as an internal extension. So if you had a math class, you could have, you know, algebra.bond or you know, pinky at algebra could be your email address, things like that. But then then there's all these extra ICANN can fees and, and upkeep. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes along with owning an extension. And if you're not from the again, we, I know that we're in a really weird industry in general, so if you're not from the domain space and you know, you're know, you just like, hey, it was really cool to apply for this and have it. And then now you're like, well, I don't I don't want to do all that work for that. And then um to your point of there's some brand extensions that are letting it go back to uh to i can now which some of them don't make sense some of them are so brand specific like that you know we're not going to rebrand that our company name is short dots we like keeping it short to the right of the dot um yeah so that's uh, so definitely something we we take into account when we're evaluating a, a potential acquisition
0: yeah 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 i think um uh, even those of us in the industry <laughs> struggle to deal with um, all the rules and regulations that, you know, are, are agreed upon, you know, uh, in the community, but it still can be, you know, it's, it does uh, take up resources. And if your primary business is not dealing with domain names, you know, I can see how that can be an issue for some, you know, and, you know, and then I guess over, over time, you have uh, learned a lot of lessons from launching the the TLDs uh, that you have, you know, anything in particular that um, strikes you as something that you didn't really think about or that you can talk about?
1: <laughs> um, So I do have like the, like the, oh crap list. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I do have a Word document <laughs> from launching five of them now. Um, right. I, I don't think that there's any like overarching lessons. It's just that there are so many moving parts. Um, earlier, earlier this year is when we launched CFD and SBS within like two months of one another and having two extension, yeah. Um, you know, our extensions, again, not to get too technical from how an extension is set up and everything, uh, but you have like a back-end service provider, but then you also have a previous owner and there's a whole bunch of ICANN processes that you have to go through to change your back-end service provider, to change the ownership, to add IDNs to a domain, to do all of the stuff, like you have to get it approved by ICANN just so, and I know there's a lot of hoops that you can say, I can, you have to jump through, but ICANN's main goal is the security and stability of the internet. So from to some extent, or to a, a big extent, it is a very valuable, you know, world to operate within. So I don't think I have any like specific things. It's just there are so many moving parts. It's, it's, I, I kind of have a picture of like the people that twirl plates on top of sticks at a circus or, you know, whatever as a talent. And it's like, you're on one side of the room and you got 14 Mm. plates long and that plate down there is about to fall off. And if one plate falls, then the whole thing falls apart. So it really is just juggling a lot. And, uh, you know, some of our extensions have different pricing schemes and different premium rules. And there's just a lot of things you have to come up with in, in all of that, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things you know you have to juggle or anyone that's operating a, a, a new uh, generic top level domain or really any top level domain for that for that matter is is dealing with abuse. Yep. And and the new the new gTLDs of course are have to adhere to ICANN spec 113 bi uh, am just wondering, you know, what is, you know, the community's definitely been talking about, you know, abuse. It's uh, a big there's more worker. and more discussion about it, and how to deal with it and how how to handle it, but you know, what do you see, you know, what do you look at when you're looking at the DNS abuse uh, situation and you know how you feel it should be handled and the community should handle it?
1: Yeah, so um, obviously DNS abuse is a really big buzzword right now. Um, as you know, we're a, we're a client of yours. Um, we use registry office IQ abuse. Um, And our, so how we handle it is if it gets reported to us, we turn the domain off. I have a pretty much no nonsense policy on that. Our terms and conditions were written so that we could do that. If, if I see abuse on Mm -hmm. a domain, um, every once in a while, we'll have someone write back in and say, Hey, you know, I misconfigured my DNS or they'll, they'll, you know, try to basically get us to reconsider that. And, and I'm totally open to that as well. Uh, but across the board like i'm I, we pretty much have a zero tolerance policy for abuse um i think that there when it comes down to when i'm digging in a little bit more there in the general general scope of everything um i think a lot of people outside of maybe the registry world or the registrar world are really confused about what dns abuse is um i'm a part of the registry stakeholder group uh which is like a a, a stakeholder group of all the registries or most registries. And we all kind of like fight for each other and, and, you know, everyone is kind of asking the same questions. So there's actually like a published definition of what we believe DNS abuse is. And then there's also, you know, people that are like, well, there's content. And then, you know, if there's, if there's illegal content, then that's something that is considered something that I take down. But if there's some sort of, you know, some content that you don't like that doesn't necessarily mean that it's DNS abuse. And then you also have things like there's a hosting provider, there's an email provider, there's so many different layers there. Some people don't realize that as the registry, my only, my only uh, reactive, ability is to server hold the domain which shuts everything on the domain down so someone could have have a huge blog and write one thing or have one page that is a phishing page or it could be some sort of hack and some that the owner doesn't even know about that page and that's showing up as as some sort of some form of dns abuse if it's reported to the registry my only ability there is to server hold the domain i can't Delete that page. I can't change an email address. I can't. There's so many things I can't do. There's only one thing that I can do, and that's the nuclear option of server holding a domain.
0: Right. So if it's a, I guess what you're meaning is like a like a compromised domain. The someone has yeah, like say. A lot of I'm not there. To, yeah. 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 I'm not wanting to pick on WordPress or anything, but like, they're they're not aware. Maybe they set up you know a site uh, on on a particular you know uh, CMS, and they're just not aware that page has been hacked, uh, that there's malware has been installed, you know, right. or I- anything like that, you know, and you as a registry, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I would think, and you know, a registry or even a registrar or perhaps even the hoster would not necessarily want to shut that entire site down, um, you know, that they would need to go through their policies and procedures in terms and conditions to determine a course of action.
1: Right, exactly. And, think, yeah. you know, Figuring out as a, also as a registry, if a domain is under who is privacy, I don't know who the true owner is. I, you know, I, the registrar doesn't have to send me that. So again, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of different layers there. And that's where I think that the biggest, my biggest problem with DNS abuse being a buzzword right now in the ICANN community is that there is a lot of things and actions and, and things being done to prevent it or to at least reduce it. But then there's also a ton of people that don't understand or when you say, hey, what do you think that the end solution for this DNS abuse problem needs to be? And no one really has a clear picture of what that is. So calls like this are really good. Uh, There's a lot of really good stuff coming out of the registry stakeholder group call at the next ICANN meeting. There's going to be a lot going on where we are we are really trying to become proactive in saying this is what we're doing. Is this what you expect as as a. You know, if you're a stakeholder somewhere else in the ICANN or in the internet community, is this what you expect us to be doing? Do you expect us to be doing more? What, like, what, what, what would be your operating within terms and conditions and and the legal ability that we yeah. have? But what would be your recommendation? And I think that that's, yeah. you know, a really important thing for people to realize is that there's going to be DNS abuse. Um, I think in general, we're very, you have to be reactive. You can't really be proactive. You can, you can turn off like IP address ranges where you know it's a compromised server and things like that. But in general, we don't know right. about abuse until a site is set up. So it's, you know, you're, you're playing Whack-A-Mole and we can, you know, a, a tool like yours is perfect. It makes us really, really efficient at Whack-A-Mole. Like I, you know, I go to Dave and Buster's and get a really good score at Whack-A-Mole right now if I had abuse IQ going there. That being said, I still do have to wait until the domain is created to verify that there's abuse on the domain.
0: Right, right, yeah. I mean, I think there's, yeah, there's, comp- I mean, there's compromised domains, there's content abuse, there's domain name abuse, DNS abuse, you know, and there's been lots of, um, I shouldn't say lots, but I mean, there's been um, some really nice um, attempts and, solutions put forward by various community groups in terms of defining, you know, what is DNS abuse and then how, you know, that should be treated. And there's, you know, different different folks that I've talked to, you know, that have put out some really good information on 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 how that can be done. I think the more I talk to folks about it is, you know, they're they're wanting more um, evidence, you know, it would be nice to have that evidence and not just the report itself. And, you know, the reputation block list providers and the these uh, uh, those that provide the abuse um, reporting, you know, originally were set up to to deal with it in a in a different way. The business model was different. It wasn't built on ICANN spec eleven three B. Right. Um, it was or it was built on uh, you know dealing with um, email and you know hosting hosters and and all that. Different set of clients, perhaps. You know. Right. So yeah. I think it would be uh, be wise, you know, at some point that there were. It would be lovely if there was some standards that were out there. You know, yeah, I know whether it, or not that can be achieved or not is, is another story. It
1: is a little bit rough. That's actually made me think of another thing. I really I really do enjoy being a part of the registry stakeholder group. We're coming out with this other paper, uh, trusted notifier framework is what it's yeah. called. And it, it's talking yeah. about when someone comes to you, if it's if it's someone on the side of the street that says, hey, I think that there's some DNS abuse going on, that's gonna be something that I want more proof for, right? but then there are also people yeah. that will report like there's the IWF out of uh, Europe that reports and I always go to the extreme of DNS abuse of like child pornography they report a right. domain to us I I 100% trust them we work with them regularly so when they send a domain to me it instantly gets turned off because I I know they're not playing around they're not you know they're not it's not someone having a, a feud with their business partner and they're like, Hey, I want to get this domain turned off. Like it's a, it's a trusted thing. So yeah, that, that's a really good point of, of DNS has changed a lot and having those trusted notifiers um, and also understanding the level of that trusted notifier. I remember at the beginning of COVID uh, we started using you guys and you were identifying domains that, that you thought, or, or the system thought that were a COVID were taking you taking know, advantage of, mask sales or vaccinations and things like that and absolutely that was happening but really when you looked at the numbers there really wasn't that much people some people were registering i think someone actually did register covid.icu because of the inherent medical nature of icu um i think someone registered covid19 or COVID. i don't quote me on the domain but um and that that showed up in some in some abuse uh feeds that we have and when you look at the site, it was actually someone that was just building a, a news aggregation website for all the COVID news around the world. And in that case, I was like, Well, that's actually a really good use case for my extension and for what you're doing, because you're trying to help people. So like I liked yeah. it. So um that's and that's the trusted notifier. Maybe that source isn't isn't quite the best. Like I like what they're doing, but maybe we need to turn down the, the trust factor on that one and then we'll you see, you know, reevaluate later on. So
0: yeah, that's a, that's a really good um, uh, kind of story there. And that's one of the things that we look at is, you know, curating the different sources and looking for false. You know, we don't really want a high false positive rate. No one wants that. Right. And I have to admit, even us and myself, you know, when COVID first hit, you know, and we were aware of sort of this, this new uh, working group, you know, to deal with all that. You know and seeing some of the abuse come across at first you know i think a lot of us were just horrified you know because at that moment in time you know everyone was like yeah let's get on the team and let's like stamp out these people that are actually trying to make misery you know out of what is already misery for the world right and you know even we 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 joined in on that effort i remember being involved in some slack groups and some discussions yep. on that and but but you know over time we started seeing well you know this feed is actually vetted by human beings and is much better than another feed, to your point. Right. You know, someone's looking at it and going, well, wait a minute. This is not, just because someone registered, you know, get your mask dot whatever, um, it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, you know. Absolutely. So, and, but eventually we even found that some of those feeds just unfortunately were not serving in the best interest you know of of our customers and so we eventually turned them off and no offense to that wonderful effort i believe it was all in for um uh, you know for the for the public good in the end yeah um yeah. But, but but you know we all learn we all learn from those experiences yep. um and so you know we i know some of the uh the, um, the the source feeds use a lot of trusted notifiers and that's very important you know yep. Absolutely. That. and I think, uh, there's, I think there's also other efforts underway to, uh, to somewhat try to provide resources to the community um, to sort of standard standardize the collection of abuse reports and that sort of thing. Um, and that's and a good point help. too,
1: like you said, uh, there's some gonna be like standards of notifying or standards of what is abuse and things like that. And I think we are working towards that, I think it's going to take a long time as it does, you know, anything with ICANN is usually stretched out <laughs> to be a little bit yeah. longer. Um, but yeah, getting getting something, some standards and getting some some standard processes in place there, I, I think would be very good.
0: Yeah, and and beyond um, uh, sort of, you know, straight domain name abuse that we've been talking about, you know, there is, um, Issues, you know, as there always have been since one of the reasons why I got involved in this industry is uh, way back in 1998 is, you know, talking to trademark holders and companies that have lots of brands and trademarks and all that sort of thing and explaining to them uh, the reasons why they need to pay attention and register, you know, different variations of their particular marks. And, you know, over time, uh, those solutions have evolved uh, in the industry. And I believe you all have Introduced recently, a service. Uh, can you explain a little bit how that might benefit, you know, trademark holders, copyright yeah, holders?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, when I was at Moniker, we obviously worked with a lot of UDRP, a lot of things like that going on. So I'm pretty familiar with all that. Um, recently, yeah. actually, and by recently, this was like probably a month ago. We launched a new product called Short Block, um, and basically, what we're doing is we're allowing. Right now, it's only for trademark holders. You have to have an SMD file. You have to be a part of the trademark clearinghouse and you work with a registrar or your IP lawyer and then they work with a registrar. Um, we're gonna open it up a little bit more as we as we move on, but we're in a you know continuous iteration of a development process. So, uh, but basically what yeah. we're doing is we're allowing a trademark holder to come in and block their term across all of our extensions. And that includes any IDNs that we may have. We have a couple IDNs, but if we're, we're going to be applying for more, um, that includes if we acquire new extensions, that includes mm-hmm. if there's going to be a second round of ICANN names and we acquire new ones. Um, so we're allowing a trademark holder to come in and basically be fully protected across all our extensions. Um, we have three packages right now. Uh, the first one is the business package, and or the business mm-hmm. block is what we call it. And what we do is we block your exact term. So we would block pinky. And then I would also add a plural to it. And then, or if it's already pluralized, I'll remove the plural from it. Um, I'll probably do like a pinky with a extra Y on the end in case someone is trying to spoof or fish on your name. And then we also do uh, the F word pinky and then we do pinky sucks and we block all of that for a business um i'm not going to get into pricing because that's a little bit internal but um basically what we're trying to do is say hey if you're a small business if you're any size business like protect yourself a little bit here we offer this product again across all of our extensions um the second one which is the one that's really cool i think because we actually developed our own internal algorithm to generate homoglyphs and a homoglyph yeah. is when you have a term and instead of an O, someone might throw in a zero or instead of a lowercase L, someone might put a number one or they they you know use different letters and numbers to make a domain look like uh, whatever your brand is. And this is really important for things like your banking site. If you get an email and it's, you know, I use Wells Fargo, if you get an email from Wells Fargo and you don't notice that it's two number ones instead of the two Ls, there are people that will just click on that, instantly type it. Like if you get an email saying, hey, your account's been hacked, click here to, to reset your password. Like there's a lot of people yeah. that will miss that and then instantly go to that site, type in their password, and now their account actually is compromised. Um, so the homoglyph block um, allows a small business again, to, or any any business, but allows allows, uh, trademark holders to block their term in a lot of different ways. Um, For the average term, and I usually use like the term Microsoft as an example, Mm -hmm. I believe we're blocking around 40 to 50 names. And there's Mm -hmm. literally, you can go down a rabbit hole. Our, Our homoglyph generator, I think for the term Microsoft, you can generate like 300 different variations. <laughs> and yeah. some of them, when you look at that list, they just get so far out there. I'm like, okay, if someone, if an end user clicks on that, thinking it's the actual Microsoft name, that's on them. Like, you know, we have to draw the line at some point. So we we kind of dialed yeah. it back and weighted things differently. Um, it's a really intricate system, but it's a very simple system for registrars to use. And then the third uh, block that we have, which is, um we've already it's already on the market, we're already selling it, is the wildcard block. And that basically mm-hmm. allows uh, a block of anything any domain that gets registered, uh, or any domain that includes the term that is blocked. So if you block Pinky, if you have a trademark on Pinky, no one can register anything in our extensions that includes the term Pinky or any of the homoglyphs. So it's a pretty so basically
0: cool- that string of character that string of characters with no matter up, what um, Yeah, it can show up
1: anywhere it, in the sixty three characters that a domain can have. Yeah. Um, and we block it. So it's a pretty cool tool. Um, it's registrars have been really happy with it. Um, obviously right now, I think the main customer is a more corporate registrar, like a mark monitor or a CSC. Um, there's a quite a few others. I'm not calling ones out specifically, but, um, people with big corporate uh, customers there that are, are wanting to block that, because I mean, a lot of people don't necessarily want to, you know, put up like Disney doesn't necessarily want to build, you know, a princess site on every new extension that there is, but they do want to p- protect their trademark, and that that's where that comes into play. So, yeah, we're yeah. pretty excited. It's been on the market for about a month. Uh, we have a really talented development team that uh, we're already like getting continuous. We're on a continuous feedback loop from our customers, and we're we're adding to it and changing it and making it better. And it's a it's a pretty cool tool. We're very excited about it.
0: Well, what what about? Um, it does sound really nice. Is it? is it, um, does it, when you talk about the homoglyphs uh, blocking, I assume that's including things like, um, just for the for the audience by way of example, um, uh, like a Cyrillic uh, character, like some of those. Yeah, the, so that's, sort of the,
1: that would be the IDN thing, if if that So it would be
0: like the IDN, yeah. So like, the, the IDN like IDN a is- Cyrillic A.
1: Yeah, exactly. So if the IDN yeah. exists in our extension, then yeah, we automatically mm-hmm. are doing that as well. Um, right now, yeah. I believe, and don't quote me on this, and this is where all the plates are spinning in my head all the time. I believe ICU yeah. is our only extension that has IDNs activated right now. Um, we are in the process of, of expanding that, of course. But um, yeah, so absolutely, the homoglyph would take that and look at that if it's a similar character there. Um, again, there's, there's a, a threshold where we're not going to go down the rabbit hole too far if it looks really weird or combining different, you know, uh, IDN, IDN letters, Cyrillic letters and things like that. So there's definitely like a threshold, but yeah, no, we're protecting from that as well.
0: Oh, yeah, well, that's really, that's really nice. Thank you for sharing about that. I think, uh, you know, again, beyond just uh, the the, uh, abuse, you know, there is that element uh, where trademark holders probably want to look at, you know, ways that they can uh, protect their mark, uh, just different strategies and ways to achieve that. Yep. Um, beyond, uh, you know, filing UDRPs or even a URS right. case or something, which I don't think that many have been filed. If...
1: We haven't Maybe had too many time. URS cases. Right. Um, we've only yeah. had a couple UDRPs overall, um, and yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think. Again, it's, it's, that is a way, I guess, talking about abuse, that is a way to be proactive against the abuse. And yeah, it costs money, but it costs us money to build a tool. It costs us money to, to maintain the tool, to do all these things with it. So, um, but when you look at it in the overall picture, you're not filing UDRP, your legal team isn't having to get involved. You know, you're not in the, in the process of when the domain is registered, if it is registered for like some sort of malicious intent, there's you know there's not no loss of money there's no one being affected by that in a negative way so we are really trying to help people and say hey you know if you're a trademark holder yeah we're we're charging money for this but this is a really awesome tool to help you protect your brand name in all these ways like you're getting you know the obviously the wild card is essentially an infinite number not really an infinite because it's only 63 characters but essentially an infinite block the other ones i do have like i can tell you when a block is generated, I can tell you how many names are being blocked, but you're, you know, you're blocking a pretty big swath of names to protect your company, and it's, you know, we're not, it's, yeah, it's, we're very happy with it.
0: Well, that's great. What's next for Kevin? What's, uh, what's the? latest on any potential road trips. I mean, none of us have done much of that, you know, but.
1: Yeah, um, pretty I don't well know, traveled, uh, it's I'm actually really funny. Lars and, I, Lars and I, before uh, the pandemic started, we're talking about doing like a corporate retreat to Iceland, because I love Iceland. And that's something that him and I, and then obviously the world changed and, and well, you and I've been grounded for the same amount of time, so we've been stuck here. But um, we've been talking like every week we talk about, you know, shooting back to Iceland at some point whenever things open up. But yeah, I don't I don't really know. We're really building out Sharp block. Um, obviously, you know, there there's probably gonna be another round of ICANN extensions, which I think is gonna be uh, a relative mess um i think a lot of people are Uh, very excited mm -hmm. about it but um and who Mm -hmm. knows when it's going to be you know everyone has a different timeline i'm on the like three to five year if i had to throw a number out there but um it's going to be a relative mess but i think we're going to participate in that but yeah we're just really trying to to you know continue to grow and uh you know we're really excited about launching new products and and helping people get online and do fun things
0: very cool. Uh, I, I uh, I'm looking forward to get, getting back on the road, uh, for certain. And uh, yeah. of course, yep. uh, you and I are lucky that we live in in Austin and we get to see each other often enough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we don't uh, we don't have that chance to get out, you know, and attend events like you know like NamesCon or the uh, the ICANN events. I, I do. I think next year I, I look forward to doing some traveling. I know um, uh, a free plug for my colleague uh, LG. Um, who is also doing uh, Nordic Domain Days. Uh, He started that and is running that. That's going to be in Stockholm next May. So I think Stockholm sounds like a really nice place to be in May.
1: I saw you post that. I was (laughs) looking at
0: that, yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. You can thank me, LG, (laughs) for (laughs) for the plug. But um, I think... uh, uh, what is that image behind you? I think the audience might want to know. You have, I know, I know what it is, but uh, you have a, really a lovely sad
1: thing that I probably need to turn around. That is a, I'll, I'll move yeah. my camera a little bit. Um, well, there's yeah. okay. So there's two images. Number one is Winston, of course, yeah. um, and oh, then yeah, that dog, is one of those. That's one of those eraser maps where whenever you go somewhere, you erase the country. And I haven't erased anything in a very long time, and it's it is pretty sad. But um, I lived in Singapore for a while, so I got to see a lot of Asia. So there's a lot of stuff erased over in this area. Um, and then you know everyone in the ICAM community and the domain community knows that we travel like no other. I think we you know, we just are always on the road, which I love. Like I think we you know if you're doing it, you you have to love it or you can't do it. But um, so yeah, yeah, hopefully our company is based in Luxembourg. My part, two of my partners live in Luxembourg. Um, so you know, getting back there to we have an office that you know Lars isn't going into very often because of everything. So like getting back yeah. on the road, and I used to spend you know a lot of time in Luxembourg, and I love I love that country too. It's a great little place. It's the smallest little place ever, but it's a great place. So yeah, I need some more. I need to scratch some more stuff off of that thing.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, I think we all look forward to doing that. Well, listen. Thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate your time uh, yep, today. I appreciate you. Great, having... uh, always great catching up with you. And uh, just for the audience, if you want to learn more about Short Dot, you can go to the URL on the screen, and that will take you to information about what Kevin was talking about today and what and what they do. Uh, but thank you again, Kevin. Really appreciate yep. it.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Pinky. We got to go wear our new boots yeah. sometime.
0: stay informed on your domain abuse situation get free tailor-made reports at abusestats.com do you have feedback or topic ideas reach out to us at hello at iq.global and thanks for listening